Welcome to the tape ministry of Chapel Hill Presbyterian Church, whose mission is to present everyone mature in Christ. It is our desire that the tapes of these services and messages from God's Word will touch lives deeply and encourage a closer walk with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you wish to contact the church for any reason, please phone us at 253-851-7779 or write us at Chapel Hill Presbyterian Church, Post Office Box 829, Gig Harbor, Washington, 98335. Now may God richly bless you as you join the people of Chapel Hill in worshiping the Lord and listening to the good news of Jesus Christ. and picks the text. And I don't know if you noticed, but that is right out of that text. That is what that's from. And yet she wrote it years ago. Wonderful, Charlene. Thank you. We're glad you're a part of our family. Aren't we? (laughs) Yeah. Well, welcome to a new millennium. Looks like Y2K's bark was a little worse than its bite. I'm glad to see all of you survived. Now our family just has to eat Chef Boyardee for the next two months. <laughs> of course, I don't know what those, that woman was thinking who bought 600 rolls of toilet paper. I mean, she was really, she was prepared for something very disastrous in every way, I think. <laughs> you know, there's something kind of sick about spending a lot of money on emergency preparedness because there's a part of you that's kind of disappointed when you don't get to use all this cool stuff, you know, and sitting in there and saying, wow, I wish I could use that. But no, I really don't. Uh, our family did not come through the New Year's entirely unscathed, however. I wouldn't have believed it possible. But uh, terrorists struck the Toon household on New Year's Eve day. I found this message in our mailbox, very cleverly cut out of individual letters from the magazine, from magazines. By the way, that's a federal offense. I just want to point out putting that in our mailbox. And it says, and on the eighth day... God created toilet paper, and it was good, your Chapel Hill friends. I don't need to tell you what else I found out by my mailbox. I think it's that woman who bought that 600 rolls. In fact, now I know what she did with it. Well, you overlooked one thing. You used a piece of paper that had something written on the back of it, and I'm going to find you out, you scoundrels. You are no friends of mine, and I will find you out. (laughs) How many of you spent much of the New Year's Eve day just watching the celebrations from around the world? On the, on the, you know, I must confess that as it got closer and closer, I, when the ball was dropping, I knew we were three hours away, but when the ball was dropping in New York, I realized that I was sitting kind of on the edge of the bed where we were, we were sitting in the room at the time, bedroom at the time. My heart was kind of beating fast, and I was excited. And I hope that you, ca- I hope you were aware of what we were experiencing there. It is a moment that has been shared by only one other generation in the entire history of Western civilization. The turning of a, of a millennium. And should the, the Lord tarry, it won't be experienced again for another 50 generations. What we have had the privilege of living through. The closing of a millennium. Of 1,000 years of human history. All that occurred, both good and horrific, over the past 10 centuries. We have put a big period to the end of it. The full stop, as they would say in Britain. And we are starting over a new year, a new century, a new 
millennium. It is remarkable. I hope you are savoring these early moments of this new thousand-year era. The scriptures have a great deal to say about fresh starts, about new things. The book we are studying, uh, Revelation, contains one of the most famous new things passages in the Bible. This morning, I'm, I'm not going to try to exposit it. We're going to save that for when we come to it in the context of the rest of the book later on in the spring. But I wanted to pull it out for a moment of reflection before we move into our time of renewal of our baptismal vows. I thought it would be a great reflection for that purpose. Turn with me to Revelation 21, the passage of which Charlene was just singing. And let's hear God's promise of something new. Revelation 21, beginning with verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven. Let's read this together. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, O God, truly be acceptable in your sight. Make old things new today. For we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Bible has a lot to say about making things new. It's one of its favorite themes, and it appears both in the Old and in the New Testament. Try to access your computers here for a moment and think. What are some of the favorite new things texts that might come to mind for you? In Psalm, one of the psalmists uh, says, The Lord has placed a new song in my heart. And only a few weeks ago, remember, we were listening to the story of a new song that is written for the Lamb of God. Remember? Because the old songs don't fit anymore. So the victorious Lamb of God, the, the angelic hosts, write a new song to be sung to the Lamb of God. <clears throat> Jesus, when he was with his disciples, says, A new commandment I give you. Remember? That what? What was the new commandment? That you love one another. And when Jesus came to the Last Supper, he said, This is the new covenant in my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Perhaps the uh, most encouraging new beginnings text that we find comes from Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.17, where he says, Therefore, uh, the old has passed away. Let me, let me get this right. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
This Revelation text that I just read is one of the most beloved of new passages to be found in the, in the, in the Bible. It promises a new heaven and a new earth. <clears throat> I need to read more on that because I'm not sure I get all of that. I, I bet you're not sure exactly either. Uh, one, though, that is promised is without suffering, without tears, without dying. One where God dwells with us, His beloved now, there are enthusiastic arguments back and forth among theologians which, uh, whether this is supposed to represent heaven or not. It seems not to because it talks about it being on this earth. But as I said, we will come to that and parse that a little more carefully in the spring. But whatever it means exactly, it is a rich and encouraging vision of new life, new beginnings, new start. I'm making all things new. He says the old things have passed away. It's a fresh start, a new year, a new eternity, he seems to be saying. It has been a, a kind of a tough year for me physically, and I realize this is all relative, but it was this year as never before that I've been reminded that I'm not as young as I used to be. Uh, my body is getting older, and I don't like it. Uh, I was playing tennis, and I injured my foot, plantar, plantar fasciitis. It's, that was last May, and it's just now starting to heal, and I still feel the twinges in the, in the morning. And I know some of you who have a few more years on me are saying, you don't know twinges, buddy. I, I realize that. But it's the only thing I can relate to, and they're twinges for me, okay? <clears throat> Last month, I discovered I had a mild case of high blood pressure. Imagine that, me having some high blood pressure. <laughs> so I'm working on that. Well, the real setback was a couple of days ago, because I had decided that I was going to go get laser surgery to correct my vision. I've had more in contact since I was in high school. And several friends have done it in the church and raved about their experience. I found out if you can get a group together, you can get a discount. I'm, I'm into discounts, and so I, <laughs> I got a group. We rallied a group of friends, and we made the date, and it was going to be this month. <clears throat> First stop was the pre-op examination, so we drove up to Bellevue for our examination. Piece of cake, right? Except when I stuck my eyeballs into that computer, it spit out a message that says, I have keratinosis. And in English, they say that means I have saggy corneas. Apparently, my corneas have slipped <laughs> so that they are thicker on the bottom than they are on the top. Uh, the optical technician said that it's kind of like a volcano, and if you cut into them, they could burst, and you'll need a corneal transplant. Okay, well, that was about it. That was, uh, <clears throat> you know, when you hear volcano, burst, and eyeball in the same sentence. <laughs> I love my contacts just the way they, they are. So there's no laser surgery for me. And I wonder if you can imagine my shame. All along, I thought I had nice perky corneas. <laughs> but no, I have saggy corneas. And of course, my friend John Papke, who went along with me, the young female technician said that his corneas are thick and firm. So <laughs> thank you, Mr. Thicky. I'm never going to hear the end of it. It was a... A silly little incident, I will wear my contacts and I will be fine, but I was disappointed because I was excited at the prospect of, uh, of making my old eyes new again. I was excited about never having to wear glasses or contacts. I was excited about being able to turn over in the middle of the night and see my clock without having to grab it and pull it to my nose <laughs> or get up in the morning and look out the window and actually see something more than a massive greenery, which I know to be trees. I was pretty disappointed to discover that, in fact, I don't have what it takes to see things clearly again. I have saggy corneas, and the world will always be blurry for me. This last century was the bloodiest in the history of the human race. 
two world wars in which the dead were counted in the tens of millions instead of the hundreds of thousands, not to mention several other smaller and bloody conflagrations. With all of the great accomplishments of the 20th century, we also had a far greater share of pain and sickness and death and dying in our mad pursuit of power and wealth, in our idolatry of science and technology. We have created a world that is out of focus. And our text this morning gives us a glimpse of a new world, a world that is in focus, a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. And the old heaven and the the old earth have passed away. As I said, we don't know exactly what that means, but John takes his best shot at describing what he is seeing. Somehow, he says, God is setting everything straight. He returns for a time onto earth and sets up his reign in a, a new Jerusalem, a new Jerusalem that comes out of the heavens as a bride dressed for her groom. And then we listen to these wonderful promises that are offered from the one who sits on the throne in this new Jerusalem. He says, I will wipe away every tear from their eyes. In this week when we're talking about Sue Marshall and Spencer Olson and, and Michael Wilson, he says, I will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That's a part of the old thing. That's out of focus. But I'm going to make everything new. I'm going to break everything into focus. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. And to him who is thirsty, I will give drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. That's a pretty good promise. That's something to hold on to. That's something to focus on. When was the last time we remember? When, when do we remember hearing words like water of life? Remember when Jesus stood with the woman at the well? The Samaritan woman? That is what Jesus called himself. He said, she, he said if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for water. And I would have given you water that come, I would have given you living water. Everyone who drinks out of this well that we're standing next to will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I give you, from my living water, will never be thirsty again. Indeed, I'll give that water to them and they will discover suddenly that they have a, a spring of water that wells up from within them. We don't know when everything is going to come into focus. We don't know when God will set us up a new heaven and a new earth. We don't know when there will be an end to sickness and pain and mourning and tears. But this we do know. If we want to see this new heaven and this new earth, if we want to partake of that living water, Jesus is the source. Jesus is the only source. We do not have the resources, as good and spiritual as we might think ourselves to be. We discover, in fact, that we are saggy and weak. And we cannot come to God. We cannot even see God. We cannot hope to experience this new life that is in focus apart from the life-giving water that comes from the only source of life, Jesus Christ. Is your life in focus? Is your glimpse of your future, is your glimpse of the new millennium in focus? How many of you had a favorite millennial celebration as you saw all of them on the TV that day? How many have... Call them out. What was yours? Eiffel Tower. Anyone else? Australia, Philippines. Did anyone... Anyone love Britain? 
I, I thought Great Britain, for me, was the most spectacular. I, I loved the, the fireworks. Of course, I was standing in Trafalgar Square celebrating my birthday in November, so old-time revival for me, watching all of that take place. I, I loved the, what, the celebration in the Millennial Dome. I loved the masses of people up singing. Remember the choir that just went up above you? But here's what I love the best. The words on the lips of the two children and on the choir. Do you remember the words? They were singing praises to God. Oh, Lord. Don't you remember? Again and again they said the same thing. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Those beautiful young boy and young girl singing like a bell. And the words that were on their lips were God. The words were about the Lord. They were ushering in the new millennium singing about God. When a nation unashamedly seeks the blessing and guidance of God in a public place in such a moment as that, it bodes well. We called our friend Marjorie in Scotland and said, maybe the British Empire will rise again. Regrettably, that is not our instinct as a nation. Our first thought in such a celebration is not to have the word of God upon our lips. It is confetti, it is champagne, it is celebrations. Our celebrations are secular. Our hope is found in ourselves and in our accomplishments rather than the Lord, and our dreams of a new year and a a new century and a new millennium are self-generated. We are the people of God. Let's say something different, shall we, today? Let us declare that we are washed in the blood of the Lamb and that we know that our only dependence is upon Him. Our utter trust is in His cleansing and sustaining life and that we can never hope to see the world in focus apart from Him. Let we who have been washed in the waters of of baptism that flow forth from the throne of God, let, let us begin the millennium with the words of Jesus upon our lips and the waters of baptism upon our foreheads. In a moment, that is exactly what we are going to do. I'm going to invite you, after we've had the baptism of our children, to come forward on the right side of your pews and walk up and you'll find four pastors and they will come up, you will come up and they will to dip the water and touch your forehead and ask you to remember your baptism and be thankful. And you will say, I am thankful. I am thankful. Amen. That is what we are going to do as we begin our new millennium together as the people of God here at Chapel Hill. We're going to begin with baptism. I would invite the pastors to please come forward. And I'd like to ask the Laughlin family to come forward, wherever you are. There you are. There you are. Every time we bring a child up here before the font, we are reminded that it was God who sought us out when we were helpless. We didn't have a thing to do with it. It was God who saw us and said, I want to make them my children. And so we bring children to the font not because they're able to make a claim for themselves, but we believe God has made a claim on them already. And as their parents and as their friends, we also wish to lay a claim on them for the kingdom of God. I ask this wonderful family to repeat the words that I know to be true. Would you give answer to these questions, please? Do you confess anew your faith in Jesus Christ and in that faith desire to have your son be baptized? Do you? Do you promise with the help of the Holy Spirit to raise your child in, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, do you? As best you can, anyway, right. 
And do you promise when he reaches an age of accountability to seek to lead him to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you? And do you promise to live lives of, live lives of example so that if this little one looks to you, he will say, if that's what it means to be a Christian, that's the kind of person I want to be. Do you promise by God's grace to live such lives? If so, say, we do. What is the full name of your child? Come here, Brendan Robert. Come here, buddy. Come here, buddy. Can you kneel down? Can you get down on your knees? Uh-huh. Brendan Robert Laughlin. Child in Christ, little brother in Christ, child of the covenant. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. May you grow to love Jesus and be his faithful soldier. May the Holy Spirit fill you. For I ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Can you give me a hug? Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. you. May return to your seat. Could I have the other pastors come forward? In your bulletin, you will find a liturgy that we are going to recite together. As we prepare to come once again to the font, not as a baptism, but as a renewal of our vows, I ask you to declare your faith in response to this reaffirmation of our vows. I ask you, therefore, once again to reject sin, to profess your faith in Christ Jesus, and to confess the faith of the church, the faith in which you were baptized. Do you renounce all forces of evil, the devil, and all of his empty promises? Do you renounce the ways of sin that separate you from the love of God? Do you turn to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? And will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word, and demonstrating his love. Offer a prayer. Lord, we thank you for our baptism. We thank you for the special meaning of the death burial, resurrection of Jesus in our hearts. And Lord, we desire to live lives that will honor Jesus in this new millennium, this new century, this new year. Empower us to do so through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Again, you'll come up from the right-hand side and come by and we will baptize you with or we will anoint you with the words 
Uh, remember your baptism and be thankful. You respond, I am thankful. Amen. If you choose not to uh, participate, please just pass right by and return to the other side of your pew. Uh, if you need uh, assistance, we will um, come to you and raise your hand at the end and we will come to you and, and uh, in your seat. All right? Let us begin as you are ready. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Remember your baptism and be thankful, Betsy. Remember your baptism and be thankful, Dory. Remember your baptism and be thankful, Bill. Remember your baptism and be thankful, Mom. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Baptism and be thankful. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Remember your baptism and be thankful, Ruth. Remember your baptism and be thankful, Mama. Remember your baptism and be thankful, Mama. Remember your baptism and be thankful, Rachel. Remember your baptism and be thankful, Cooper. Remember your baptism and be thankful, Sarah. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Remember your baptism and be thankful, Don. Remember your baptism and be thankful, Sean. Remember your baptism, Wade, and be thankful. Remember your baptism, Jordan, and be thankful. Remember your baptism, JJ, and be thankful. Remember your baptism and be thankful. and be thankful. Remember your baptism 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 and be thankful, Jane. Remember your baptism and be thankful, Bob. Remember your baptism and be thankful, John. Remember your baptism and be thankful, Heida. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Have you been baptized? The Lord bless you and keep you, my little guy. Remember your baptism and be thankful. 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 